Welcome to the Customer First podcast from KPMG's Global Customer Center of Excellence. We work alongside a network of KPMG firms to help clients deliver profitable growth by putting their customers at the heart of their business. The Customer First podcast brings you the latest thoughts and market examples from KPMG professionals and guests of how today's businesses are becoming more and more customer centric. Today, we're talking about trust and empathy with host Tim Knight. Welcome to this KPMG Customer First podcast, where we're going to be debating how leading businesses are building integrity and earning trust. My name is Tim Knight. I'm a partner in KPMG's customer consulting business based out of the UK. And for the last 12 years, I've been working on our global customer experience excellence program, looking at best practice around the world. Now, over this time, we've seen the environmental and social practices of organizations have a growing impact on consumer spending and attitude. And indeed, we've seen that magnified by COVID. Indeed, over half of the people we surveyed in our recent research said they've changed their purchasing decisions based on their perceptions of an organization's environmental and social commitments. Customers are emerging from lockdown, reporting changed mindsets, changed values, and changed attitudes. The majority now tell us that they will pay more to do business with an ethical brand. Even the most value conscious are telling us they want to see purpose ahead of profit. For business leaders, the ESG agenda plays a pivotal role here. Customers are looking more deeply at this than ever before and asking more acutely whether or not leading brands are living up to their obligations. It's also interesting to note that consumers believe they will be living their lives very differently for the foreseeable future. They have a deeper appreciation of family, of friendship and of health. Indeed, many have seen the pandemic as an opportunity to reset their values and reset their worldviews. So businesses are facing customers who are more selective in their decision-making than ever, and indeed giving preference to brands they trust. Success and failure is more visible than ever before. The challenge for business leaders has never been so great. So with this increased focus on integrity and trust, how are the world's best brands rising to the challenge? Joining me to discuss the topic today, Samantha Glody, a Managing Director of KPMG in the United States, and Vamsi Duvery, also a Managing Director of KPMG in the US. Sam, Vamsi, welcome. And I wonder, Sam, if we might start with you and start by facing into the questions around purpose and ethics. As I've mentioned in opening, ethical standards are clearly under the spotlight more than ever in the new reality. How are business ethics linked to the, the wider business agenda of commerce resilience? Sure. Thanks, Tim. I'm so happy to be here today to discuss this topic. What we're seeing is that success is no longer measured in purely financial terms. Business leaders are increasingly focused on the human and environmental dimensions of value creation, sustainable high-performance demands responsible practice, and the trust of stakeholders across a range of pressing social issues from climate change to diversity inclusion right through to modern slavery. Living through the turmoil of this past six months, we've had a global pandemic coupled with political and social unrest. And consumers are increasingly purchasing from organisations whose values and purpose reflect their own motivations and worldview. And as you said, consumers have a lot of choice now and and they're exercising it. Organisations need to be able to measure and report on their contribution to society, 
their impact on the environment and their overall brand integrity in order to compete. They really need to be purpose-led. And this purpose needs to be intrinsically built into their strategy for enterprise resilience. Some examples include partnering with third parties to meet customer demand, but also meeting customer preferences. And this needs to be closely monitored to ensure organisational integrity. Additionally, understanding customer needs and preferences contributes to building a strong customer experience. However, proper processes really need to be in place to protect organisations from any form of reputational damage, for example, data breach, fraud and third-party risks, etc. Sam, that's fantastic. And just to reflect upon that for a moment, clearly there's an enormous challenge for business leaders there. Has that become harder or easier over the last 10 months, reflecting upon the the pandemic and the impact of COVID-19 on the, the way business leaders have acted? Yeah, I actually don't think it's a case of whether COVID-19 has made it easier or harder for organisations to demonstrate their trust and integrity. I think this new reality, as well as the intense focus on social justice, has really forced organisations to ensure that they're demonstrating brand integrity and stakeholder trust. Their customers, employees and other stakeholders are demanding it and they expect it now. I would say that the demonstration of this is easier for those organisations who are already well on their way to driving a strategy around trust and brand integrity to demonstrate that their business is purpose-led. For those organisations who have not intentionally considered this as part of their business strategy, it's going to be very difficult for them to authentically demonstrate this to their stakeholders. Fantastic. Thank you, Sam. And Bamsi, I wonder if I might bring you in for a view here. One of the, the big challenges that business leaders have grappled with around brand integrity has been how they deal with process and use customer data. Uh, I wonder if you might point to any emerging themes or considerations in that regard, please. Absolutely. When we think about how organizations use data, uh, use consumer data, I think there are two important dimensions that we need to think about and we help our clients think about. One is what type of data are we talking about? Are we talking about demographic and basic information that is more readily available? Or are we talking about some of the more personal characteristics of people that may be very personal to me, depending upon who I am, versus somebody in a different generational category may have a different opinion about that data, right? But the things that we're talking about are behavioral attributes, think we're talking about why we do certain things and what do we care about. So that's our first dimension. The second dimension is how are we going to use that data? And again, there are three categories there. One is you're using my data to inform experiences that I experience as a consumer. It's very personal. That's really important. However, there could also be inferences that we use from my data to inform them your experience. And that's what we call lookalike modeling. And then finally, there is data applied to a very broad customer set. Those are more around strategic planning and you know, broader customer insights. So as we think about those two dimensions, who I am and what data are you talking about, and how it is uh, applied in a various scenarios, I think there's a lot of sensitivity around who's using the data, and it depends on the, the customer persona, right? For example, in healthcare, data is extremely private and extremely sensitive. And so how it's used, you want to make sure that you have the right governance structure. While in some of the more broader applications, 
clients have really pushed the envelope in terms of what type of insights they can derive. And, and finally, and let me take an example to, to make this uh, make this point real. Think about a few years ago, how we used to do, let's say, blood test or heart rate monitoring. On an XY axis, highly accurate if I went to a doctor, poor experience, right, on a Y axis. Now think about today, I'm wearing a watch. I have a really accurate, precise heart rate monitoring system, but my experience is almost seamless, right? So using data and using technology to evolve the experience without pushing that boundary and going over, you know, that line of using data, in, you know, incorrectly is really important for organizations. Some clients have figured it out. Some are still on their way to figuring it out. That was really helpful, Vamsi. I wonder if we could just reflect upon a point that Sam was exploring a, a moment ago, which was as business ethics get placed increasingly under the spotlight, that places an increased demand on leaders. And if we were to reflect upon data and IT leaders in business, what's this increased focus meant for their roles and how are we seeing that change within the enterprise? Absolutely. In fact, one of the biggest areas where we see technology leaders investing more and more in understanding employee behaviors as they use various systems and data points about customers, right? Audits of system usage, data usage, data catalogs, et cetera, and log analysis are some of the bigger use cases that we are delving into nowadays. And it's really important because it's not just about establishing a process that says, this is how you use the data. You should be able to look back and say, is that process being actually followed or not? What are some anomalies? And we have some you know, really good client stories where we're actually leveraging that log data to proactively monitor and highlight events that may require a human intervention or, or, or human audit. And so technology is really driving the capability to do these types of analyses, look for anomalies and patterns, and then ensure that it increases the confidence in that the data is being used appropriately by the right people for the right applications. And I guess one of the other key points is that's got enormous meaning for the customer, but enormous meaning for the employee as well. And the colleagues that we're asking to work with data in a new way and to, in a sense, uphold their own integrity through the process. And this moves us on to a, a second topic for conversation, which is you know, how do these changes in integrity and trust play into the customer and employee experience. Now, in our global work, we've talked a lot already about integrity, both in business, in ethics, in data. In our global work, integrity is one of the six pillars we point to as being absolutely foundational for everything we do. But there are five others, which include empathy and how businesses manifest compassion. And I guess, Sam, maybe starting with that point, because empathy and compassion has been one of the traits that we've seen businesses show more than ever through the through the pandemic, how can we, as we face into this new reality, how can brands demonstrate their compassion towards both customers and employees? And what kind of lessons could we reflect upon that they've learned over the last year? Yeah, I think it's very important that organisations don't lose sight of the enormity of the stress and anxiety that their customers and their employees have and continue to experience during this crisis, but could be related to their health and safety, significant financial challenges, social isolation, childcare and homeschooling. It's just everything is coming together all at once. And so organisations need to allow the customer experience journey to continuously evolve to stay aligned to the customer expectations in a really volatile time. And those stakeholders are pretty fragile right now. 
And the customers and employees need to continue to recognise and feel aligned to the brand's integrity. But while there is a need for that agility and adaptation during turbulent times like this, organisations need to remain steadfast and true to their purpose and values. And with their purpose and values and the voice of their organisation at the core of everything that they do and with everyone that they partner with, you know, they need to be authentic, they need to be transparent with their stakeholders, and they must continue to align their purpose and values with their customers' expectations and values. That was really helpful to reflect upon. If you look at some of our recent global research, we've heard nine in 10 customers telling us they will pay more for an organization's services if it can demonstrate those traits and visibly demonstrate them. Vamsi, maybe just reflecting upon that from a point of view of safety and well-being, these are the key priorities for customers now more than ever, and there's every likelihood that will continue well into the future. What kind of innovations are we seeing in that regard? And uh, what kind of innovations are we seeing around both customers and employees? Let me first start on the customer side, because some of the principles apply on the employee side as well. I think one of the biggest areas of innovation we're seeing is how technology is being leveraged to be more proactive for customer needs, whether that's within a service interaction, whether it's in a product experience, or whether that is in how customers are expressing their satisfaction or their their discontent. And what I mean by that is some of the most leading customer service companies, for example, really interacting with the customer when they want. Uh, They've invested in automation technologies, for example, because they realize 24 hours in a day has not changed, but the time that people used to have to do certain things like calling a 1-800 number to get help, those moments have disappeared because we are staying in one place most of the time and just being on conference calls, being on different meetings, et cetera. And so biggest trend is how service has moved from synchronous to asynchronous, which is almost like texting a friend. You don't almost feel it. I know big banks have implemented it, big technology companies have implemented it. Airline companies, think about that, right? Not a lot of people are flying right now, but a great example was how you could actually chat with, with an agent via text to make updates to your you know, itinerary. So that's really one of the ways technology is being leveraged to improve experiences that is so personal and so appropriate for the time that we are in right now. On the other side, on the employee side, one of the things that we see is magically people have found creative, innovative ways to collaborate with each other. Although the way they used to work for the last many years has completely changed, right? A client of mine, they mentioned that there's a healthcare company that mentioned that the amount of movement they've made towards advanced technologies in the last six months was equal to something that they did in the last decade. And that's because it was, although forced, people found very genuine ways of collaborating, building, and delivering outcomes to the business. And part of that is actually going to stay with all of these companies. And they've figured out new ways of working. They've figured out new ways of collaboration. And we see that being enabled by technology through video conferencing, through calls, through through other systems that they, they have implemented, which is allows for online collaboration and things like that. And I think the biggest piece that is coming out of that is leveraging a multi-dimensional approach rather than a unidimensional approach, which is focusing on technology, not just for the sake of technology, but bringing in experience, bringing in outcomes and results, bringing in measurement of behaviors and satisfactions both on the customer side as well as on the employee side. And we have numerous examples of those, both within our firm as well as our clients. 
It's fascinating to reflect upon, Vamsi, in that this challenge of how do you create a human touch in an increasingly digital future is even more pronounced than ever. We heard from Satya Nadella, who's talking about two years' worth of digital transformation occurring every two months. The sheer pace of change has just accelerated massively. And I guess if we see some of that as being semi-permanent, that switch to online, certainly amongst key segments uh, and demographics being greater than previously anticipated, the reality is that many organizations are seeing a massive decline in traditional channels. They're seeing fewer physical or telephony opportunities to interact directly with customers. And I guess, Sam, reflecting upon that change in channel behavior, the fact there are just so many fewer physical interactions occurring, does that reduce the ability for an organization to build trust with its customers? Yeah, I think with less of a physical presence, an organization's digital presence and the customer experience is absolutely critical. Organizations need to be nimble and agile in embracing new technologies to improve the customer experience. However, they need to ensure that cyber and technology risks are well considered up front to safeguard customer data and reduce the opportunity for fraud and other financial and cyber crimes. And this is going to be important to organisations across all sectors, but it will be driven by different customer expectations and kind of risk points in each. For example, in life sciences and healthcare, Right now, there is significant motivation for fraud and cybercrime around COVID vaccinations and treatment, research and development. So IP and manufacturing security and integrity is absolutely critical right now. And the public not only expects it, but is really depending on that. You know, supply chain resilience is high on the list because our hospitals and our communities are dependent on the availability and integrity of PPE and COVID treatments and vaccines. In consumer and retail, there's unprecedented demand on digital procurement. So the payment platforms and the customer interfaces need to be seamless and secure. And then another example in banking and in the energy sector, we now have traders operating in a remote environment, so trader surveillance considerations are increasingly important. So you can see from those examples that this digital presence is just increasing the importance of having stakeholder trust, and it's really just absolutely critical in this environment. It's really interesting, isn't it, to reflect upon how close the two themes of managing risk and building trust are, and how much cross, cross-category cross innovation there is in those two two areas. There are, clearly in Bamsey, I'd be grateful for your view on this, there's clearly some areas which are more important than others. What's absolutely critical for businesses to get right at the moment? I think there are five key moments, I believe, that matter more than some of the other moments. When people interact, again, when customers interact with your companies or employees interact with each other, that's a key moment, how they're interacting with channel and the purpose and the length of interaction is extremely important, especially where we are today. How is technology and data being leveraged to make that interaction experience better? I think it is a big challenge and, and must get where companies must, must get right. How we collaborate, because collaborate isn't an activity that I can you know, do myself or often in a very small, same group. And so how do you bring in diverse perspective and collaborate even globally in this changing environment? This often gets lost, but for me, one of the key points is how do we learn? How do we learn not just academically, but how do we learn from our collective experiences by listening to employees and customers so that we are able to shape our agenda, our proposition differently, right? 
those models have changed as well. And more importantly, as a builder, I always think about how do I get you know my team to solve a specific you know problem. And I haven't met my team for the last nine months. Most of them actually are in the same city, but I haven't met them. So how do we build? How do we keep pace of building something that matters to the customer while doing that in a completely different environment? And I think it all comes down to the experience. You need to think about the moments where the experience of the person matters, whether that's an employee or the customer, and then how you're able to enrich that experience, either by doing something And maybe more importantly, by not doing something and let it happen on its own organically can make a big difference. And again, technology is an enabler. Very important is to know who the person is, why do they care about those experiences, and then decide what is the most appropriate treatment that you should or shouldn't do in that situation. It's fascinating, isn't it, to reflect upon your point there about collaboration and building with your team in that one of the great requirements of creating external trust is, of course, that we have internal trust. And maintaining that internal trust, that close collaboration, that way of working that's so pivotal to many of us in in unusual times is, is clearly absolutely key. How's this playing out with clients? So, Sam, reflecting on all those conversations you're having with clients at the moment, what's the biggest theme that's coming out? When an organisation earns and deserves the trust of their stakeholders, they create a solid platform for responsible growth, confident decision-making, bolder innovation, and sustainable advances in resiliency, performance, and efficiency. During turbulent times, the obvious threats to growth range from regulatory change and disruptive technology to cyber attacks and climate change. An organisation's agenda on trust enables them to anticipate, embrace, and optimise risk generating value and competitive edge across the enterprise. It also helps organisations to bounce back faster from random and unpredictable events like a global pandemic or environmental disasters. Thank you, Sam. That's a a fantastic summary. And Bamsi, maybe I could ask for the same from you. Any closing remarks or indeed key thoughts from your client conversations? I think the, the biggest trend we're seeing is from an investment perspective, clients are investing more in improving experiences across the front office, whether that's within marketing, sales or service, but enabling experiences for technology and and investments that go there. But the key difference is how they are approaching that. These are not big whiz-bang investments. These are more agile, iterative, user-tested and customer-tested approaches. So that's actually a really big and, and, and great trend to see. But if I could bring it all back together The three biggest patterns that I see, I'm an engineer surrounded by engineers, three biggest patterns that I see from a systems perspective, I think about this as a whole system is resilience, which is instead of having monolithic structures, there are these organic groups that are more resilient to shocks and surprises. And obviously in the environment we are in, more resilient organizations are better adaptable and have done really well. Connected to that is those organizations or clients want to be more self-organizing as well, which is instead of doing a very top-down policy process-driven methodology, it's empowerment at the right level so that people can make the decisions at the right time and think about driven by a common value and vision rather than very procedural. And then finally, organizations that are hierarchical, not in the negative connotation, hierarchical in the sense that only the right data and information is provided you know, to the folks to empower them to make their decisions while abstracting away other complexities of the organizations is really how organizations are being resilient, self-organizing, very creative, very innovative, and still are able to make an impact 
to the end consumer through better experiences and to the employees through better employee experience. Thank you. And I guess to conclude on that from my point of view, we've heard throughout just how important trust and integrity and business ethics are to businesses in order to maintain their competitiveness, in order to be adaptable, in order to build resilience, but also to communicate their humanity and their purpose to the market and to their stakeholders. I was much taken with the point that this is an organization-wide and enterprise-wide commitment. It's got to be, as you talked about in opening, Sam, coded into the purpose of the organization, but also the processes of the organization. And that clearly extends deeply into data processes as well as other offline processes. The customer and employee experience is, of course, a physical manifestation of those processes. So how it looks, sounds, and feels to each of us is really going to make a difference. And increasingly, that's about continuing to maintain humanity in a, a much more and ever more digital future. It falls upon me to say at this stage, thank you ever so much to both Ramsey and Sam for joining us today. And thank you everyone who's dialed in to hear this Customer First podcast. Goodbye. Thank you to all the guests on today's episode. Join us next time as we continue our discussions on being customer first. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, you can find us on Spotify, Apple and Podbean. To read our growing library of blogs and other customer insights, please visit kpmg.com forward slash customer first.